0: Hello and welcome to Right Now with Ralph Martin. Thank you for joining us in these final days of Advent. Last week, we started a two part series, which we will conclude next week. As this week, we have an opportunity to ponder the profound reality of the Incarnation in a special episode looking forward to the grace and gift of Christmas. Here is your host, Ralph Martin.
1: Little brothers and sisters. We celebrate at Christmas the incarnation. That's a big theological word. And what it simply means is that God, the second person of the Trinity, became a man. Now, this is pretty mind-blowing when you think about it. The infinite, all-powerful God, the second person of the Trinity, through whom all that exists has been created and for whom all that exists has been created became totally human in every single dimension of what it means to be a human being, except the ugly sin parts. He experienced uh, pain, suffering. He experienced the emotions of anger, of frustration, of grief, of profound sorrow, of, of incredible joy. He experienced the whole range of, of what us human beings experience in our bodies and our minds and our spirits, except for sin. And when you think about this God becoming a man in the womb of a woman, Mary, uh, is, and being there for nine months and going through all the stages of human development, wow, it's just really something. Growing up in a family, uh, I, I think Joseph was more than a foster father. He adopted Jesus. He took Jesus as his son, and that gave him, that gave Jesus his, his right to the line of David. And uh, it, it's just a very strong, real relationship. Joseph was really not just his temporary foster father, but his adoptive father. He just took Jesus as his own son knowing that he was God's son. So it's just really special that God became part of a human family and everything he experienced. And the uh, creches, you know, the stable scenes that we see around Christmas time are pretty special. It's not childlike. It's not immature. It's not old fashioned to uh, marvel at the, the, the manger scene, to marvel Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus. Yes, baby Jesus. Yes, baby Jesus. We should bow before him. We should marvel before him. We should just thank God. We should sing with the angels, glory to God in the highest. Now, the amazing thing, though, is that when the fathers of the church talked about why God did this, they often would say things like this. God became man, so man could become God. What? <laughs> they didn't mean that we would become infinite and divine, but they meant that God was taking on human nature so he could lift it up and raise it up and join it to himself to even become, as it says in Second Peter chapter 1, partakers of the divine nature. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises that through these you may escape from the corruption that is in the world because of passion and become partakers of the divine nature, participate in the divine nature Uh, Escape from the corruption that's the lot of humanity. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. So being raised to becoming partakers of divine nature means that the Lord wants to work in us. A character change. He wants to work in us spiritual growth. He wants to work in us healing and transformation that little by little through the day by day uh, challenges of daily life. He wants to make us more and more live in harmony with our new status as partakers of the divine nature. This happens, of course, through the Holy Sacrament of Baptism, where we're adopted Uh, into the family of God, but a real adoption, like we really belong to the family of God now. And the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit come and dwell in us. And the guilt of original sin is taken away. And the hope of resurrection from the dead is given to us all in baptism, but it has to be accessed through faith. Now, I'm going to quickly run through some other descriptions of what happens to us when we become Christians and that how the incarnation really kind of happens in us and it continues in us. So the word continues becoming flesh in us. So Romans chapter eight, verse 10. But you are, verse nine, but you are not in the flesh. You are in the spirit. If the spirit of God really dwells in you and the spirit of God really dwells in us. Isn't that amazing? God. The third person of the Holy Trinity dwelling in us, God in us. Whoa! anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. The only way of being a Christian is for the spirit of God to dwell in us. But if Christ is in you, although your bodies are dead because of sin, we're going to die because of original sin. But because the spirit of God is living in us, we're going to rise again, just like Jesus did. Jesus showed us. He went through the human condition. He went through life and death, and he came out from death glorious, victorious, never to die again, never to suffer again. And that's what he's inviting us to if we just stick with him. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit who dwells in you. So, it's Christ in us, our hope of glory. But it's like Christ in us, the spirit of God dwelling in us. Okay, let's take a look at Galatians chapter 2, verses, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, whoa, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh Yep, yep, (laughs) real flesh. But the life I live now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. When did that happen? It happened when we went through the waters of baptism and we mystically, mysteriously, but really participated in death to sin, death to the world. And life to God through Jesus Christ and participating in his death and resurrection in a mysterious way, which I I won't get into right now, some other time. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Did you hear that? Christ who lives in me. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. We might also say the word became flesh and dwelled in us through his spirit, through his resurrection body. And nourishing the presence of Christ within us through partaking in the Eucharist, uh, mysteriously receiving the body and blood of Christ and becoming more and more part of him, more and more one with him. So let's take a look now at 1 Corinthians 6, verses 15 to 20. Do you not know that your bodies, you know, our arms, our legs, our, our whole bodies, are members of Christ? Wow. we become part of Christ's body. Mm. Shall I therefore take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never, that's in the scripture, I didn't make that up. Never do you not know that he who joins himself to a prostitute becomes one body with her. For as it is written, the two shall become one. The sacred, the sacred purpose of God in making us male and female. And the, the sacred union, the sacred sexual union of a man and a woman coming together open to new life and how horrible it is to abuse the gift of of sexuality. But he who is united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So we become one spirit, one body with the Lord. Shun immorality. Every other sin which a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? which you have from God, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body by living a holy life, by living a chaste life, no matter what your temptation is, no matter what your disorderly desires are, resist them and say yes to Jesus and no to sin and no to our disordered desires. Now, uh, in another place of scripture, I I can't put my finger. It's in 1 Corinthians again. It says, if anybody destroys God's temple, which you are, I will destroy them. So it's a very serious thing to sin against our own bodies, which are temples of the Holy Spirit, or to sin against the bodies of others who are temples of the Holy Spirit. So that's the kind of holiness that the Lord is calling to us because we are now the temple of God. So now let's take a look at... Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 6. Pretty strong, pretty strong. Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if if he found any belonging to the way, the way of Christ, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he journeyed, He approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed about him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Those who are Christians, those who are baptized, those who partake of the Eucharist, those who believe in the Lord, have now become part of Christ's body, one body, one spirit with him. And that's why Jesus said, if people hear you, they hear me. If they persecute me, they'll persecute you. Uh, Our identification with Jesus is more than just a moral identification. It's a real indwelling of God in us. And then uh, two last passages here. John's Gospel, chapter 14. I bet you knew we were going to sooner or later get to John's Gospel, verses 19, 24. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, and you will live also. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Wow, wow. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if a man loves me, he will keep my word. How important it is to obey the Lord to treasure his words, to cling to what's being revealed to us about the high calling that we've been given. And my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Oh, God wants us to be a home for him. God wants us to prepare a place for him. God wants us to cleanse our soul so it can more and more take possession of us, you know, in that wonderful document that John Paul II published for the new millennium, Novo Millenio Ineonte, he says, prayer can grow to the point where we're totally possessed by the divine beloved, where we're vibrating at the spirit's touch, and we're resting filially within the heart of the Father. This deep Trinitarian union, this deep Trinitarian prayer is something that John Paul II says the Holy Spirit is underlining for us today. The universal call to holiness, all of us are called to this kind of union with the Lord. We just need to take the steps we need to take, Uh, the daily prayer, the daily meditating on his word, the daily sacrifices, the daily resisting of temptation. And then finally, John chapter 17 You think it couldn't get any clearer, it couldn't get any stronger, it couldn't be any more amazing. Jesus says, I do not pray for these only for the disciples at the Last Supper, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Oh, my goodness. To be loved by the Father like he loves Jesus. Oh, wow. To be loved with that kind of love. To be loved with that powerful love to be loved with a pure love to be loved with a passionate love father i desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where i am jesus wants us to be in the father's house with him and that's what he came for he came to bring us back to the father's house and all we have to do is pay attention to him believe him follow him truly become his disciple Meditate on his word, obey it, pray, pay attention to him. Partake in the Eucharist, hang out with our brothers and sisters in the Lord, and desire to bear fruit. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to behold my glory which you have given me in your love for me before the foundation of the world. I made known to them your name. And I will make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So it's not just the power. It's not just the presence. It's not just an abstract thing called love. It's God himself. It's the word becoming flesh in us. It's us becoming temples of the Holy Spirit. Christmas the Christmas season. We marvel at the incarnation. We marvel at the word becoming flesh. We bow down and adore with the shepherds. We we sing glory to God with the angels. We bring gifts like the Magi did. But we also need to marvel at what the incarnation of the Word of God, what the Word becoming flesh means for us. It means hope. It means life from the dead. It means the fulfillment of our deepest desire, the fulfillment of our deepest longing for love that never ends, for love that never ends, for love that gives life, that affirms, that opens up vistas of glory. We bow before the Lord. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word, because of that, has also become flesh in us. We need to bow before that and thank God for the great gift of him coming to make his home in us so that we can return home with him to the place he's prepared for us. There are many houses, there are many mansions in my father's house. I would not have told you that if it wasn't the case. And I'm preparing a place for you. But right now, the place that needs to be prepared is our own heart and soul. Welcoming that love. Welcoming that call to holiness. Welcoming that person in our soul. Christmas blessings to you now and throughout the year. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us today. The whole team at Renewal Ministries is grateful for you and is honored to wish you a blessed Christmas. It is our prayer that your heart is touched afresh with the love of our Savior. If you are enjoying this podcast and want to consider supporting us in your year-end giving, visit the link in the show notes. Until next week, this is Right Now with Ralph Martin.